Okay, thank you. Today is September 12th, 2021. We will be reading from the big book of AA, pages 20 to 22. Rita will be our reader, followed by a 20 minute share by Lori. Rita, can you unmute and read please? Thank you. My name is Rita Q, a recovering compulsive reader. There is a solution. You may have already have asked yourself, why is it that all of us become so very ill from drinking? Doubtless you're curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinions, the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you're an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can't take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I think she should. I think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Here is a fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect, he's incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself, and then pulls the structure down in his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is a fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock round. Yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of higher-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. 
Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanatoriums. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary. But this, this description should identify him roughly. Pass. Thank you, Rita. Now we'd like to, I'd like to introduce the speaker today who will speak on what Rita has just read. And that is Lori. Lori, would you please share? Good morning, OA siblings. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Um, not the conditions I expected to be sharing today. I am on last Monday, I was actually rushed to the hospital and admitted to ICU. Um, and so I remain in the intensive care unit. I asked them to move the machine so they wouldn't be distracting for us this morning. But um, my body just began to shut down on me last Monday, just out of the blue. It's non-COVID, I'm fully vaccinated. And um, so what, what it is, they can't find out, but anything that I ingest, just goes straight through me. Nothing is digested. So any pills they give me just come right out in 30 minutes. You know, I'm thinking about starting to eat Legos and coins to monetize this, um, but um, they can't figure out. And so it keeps my blood pressure low. It keeps my heart rate low. It keeps, so the machines are doing my living for me. And um, when I was reading this week, this passage and, and hearing it read this morning, so lovely by Rita, thank you, about being a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And when there's an appointment to keep, what do you do? And I was like, well, I agreed to speak for um, the South Jersey Intergroup. And so if there's breath in my body, I keep my word. I honor what I said I was going to do. So thank you for having me here. This is very good for me. It, it's soothing and calming to know that I have... Um, in OA family, thank you for the love and prayer, guys. Thank you so much. Um, and this passage is so meaningful for me um, because it starts off saying, you know, if you're a you know a heavy drinker, you want to get over it. What do you want, what do you do? And when I first came into OA in the late '90s, early 2000s, I was 275 pounds, 280 pounds. I'm only five one. And I wanted to get over what? I wanted to get over the weight. Um, I didn't want to be fat. And that's what I came to OA for. Um, but I went through it to lose the weight. I went through the program to lose the weight and I didn't lose the weight. So I was like, well, this doesn't work. And then I had to, my uh, sponsor said, what are you trying to work on? And I said, well, the weight loss. And she said, oh dear. <laughs> You got so many other issues. The weight loss isn't even the focus. And so um, I was able to go back and look at it again and again and again and yet again. And when the um, A Vision for You meeting switched to uh, from coffee shop to A Vision, I got in at that time and then they opened my eyes and I said, Oh, I have life problems. I lack skills for living. That's what this is about. And so um, I hope she doesn't mind saying, but Kim G became my sponsor and taught me how to live. And then the food was a non-issue, but before I prioritized the food and then whatever after that, and she taught me to prioritize 
this mess that you are and how you have been and how you've been living life. And let's prioritize that. And then the food takes care of itself. I said, okay, it doesn't make sense, but you say so, so we'll go with that. And it did make sense. And um, I have been um, the heavy drinker. I have been the moderate. I have been the Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I have been very capable and very successful professionally. And then I would tear into, you know, people and just be so unkind and, and shred them to pieces for being incompetent. And, you know, and so my mood wasn't stable. So um, just they didn't know who, which Lori was coming to work which day. And it was very uneasy and unsettling for them. I feel awful looking back on it. Um, but, um, you know, you have to realize what is it you want to get over? You, you want to lose weight? You can do that at Weight Watchers. You can do that at Ginny Craig. You, you can do that at home on your own. But if you lack skills, and that was my issue, I lack skills. I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. I didn't know how to um, pause when I was agitated or doubtful. I just shot from the hip. And so those were skills that I learned through this program. Um, I would be the advocate for my family. Don't my children know they're all adults and they know don't mess with this woman's kids. I mean, they're all taller than me. They're grown. They have professional lives, but you know, my son is in the military and he'll tell his superiors when I go to the base and they'll say something about my son. They say, Oh, my mom doesn't play about her kids, you know, and I've always been their protector, but I didn't know. I felt like a victim myself that I couldn't take care of myself. And this program helped me to find my voice and say, you know, it's not okay that you speak to me like that. It's not okay that you treat me like that. And so I learned life skills um, through this program. I learned how to um, take a, you know, a pause and relax and regulate and realize that in most situations that present, I don't have all of the information up front. And so I can't make a, a snap judgment on things. You know, it appears this way, but there could be another reason. You know, this person is driving in and out of traffic like a jerk. They may have a medical emergency. I don't know that. There may be something wrong. I don't know that. I don't have all that information. So this program has helped me. I live in Atlanta and we do a lot of our waving and communication to one another in traffic with one finger. But program has helped me to use all five fingers when somebody cuts me off and say, you know, and say a prayer for them and say, oh, God, help them today. They're not making good choices. Keep them safe and keep everyone in their path safe. And life has become so much bigger than I am. It's about my service to my fellows, whether it's a fellow in program, whether it's my family, friends, whether it's strangers. Um, that's my life. It's a life of service. What can I do for the next person? And that simple switch of my brain keeps me out of the food. Um, you know, when I first was admitted to ICU on Monday, they wanted me to eat something. And they brought in, I'm a vegan, and they brought in meat, and they brought in, um, there was a brownie on the tray, and there was like syrup sweetened fruit cups and stuff. And like, I wasn't, oh, well, this is all I have been offered, so I have to eat the brownie, and I don't eat that. And I let them know I don't eat that. And they scrambled to find me a salad. 
And I don't play with my food anymore. I don't say, well, I'm here and I have to, I'm at the mercy of what the hospital source. No, I just don't eat that. If that's all I have to eat, I just don't eat. Um, there's Grubhub. I can order a salad. I can order tofu. There, there are other ways. So I don't play those games with myself anymore about um, what kind of eater I am or under these conditions. Eh, you know, I am in ICU. I should be able to go ahead and have a piece of cake, a brownie. A, you know, I've got to eat something. Nothing is sticking to me. I'm not going to gain weight from it for sure because it doesn't stay in my body long. But I've stopped playing those games um, because my mental and spiritual recovery are what are most valuable to me. Um, since I started working with Kim G, maybe about four or five years ago, five years ago, maybe, um, I've been able to come down from 280 when I came into the hospital. I was um, about 135, and today I'm probably closer to 125 this week. Probably lost quite a bit. Um, I haven't weighed, but um, that's not important. What is important is I have my peace. And I can't live without these machines sweeping. I can't live without these bags. I can't live without this tube in my neck. I, I can't live with all that, without all of that. And that's what's important to me, not the food. My service to God, you know, how can I be of benefit? Who am I in this hospital to help? There are a lot of people helping me, but I'm here to help somebody. And I've been able to connect with the nurses and I have had some nurses that have, um, that are compulsive overeaters. And, you know, we've been able to talk about that. And one said, you know, I think I'm going to try going meatless one day a week, you know, and, and I'm going to let you know how that goes. And she gave me her number. I gave her my number and I encouraged her. And she said, you know, I want to get healthy. And I said, oh, I have a, a program that I use. And so I'll tell her about OA uh, on the other side of this. So I understand that this isn't happening to me. It's happening for me so that I can reach people. I would not have run into these people here in the hospital any other way, probably. So um, for this to have to occur to my body so that I could reach someone, that I could share the OA message with one person, I'm grateful to be in ICU this morning. If it will save someone's life, it'll save their sanity. Um, the greatest gift that I've been given from this program is the gift of restoration with my higher power. I call him God and he is everything to me. Um, being able to connect with him, being able to trust him. When the doctors look at me and I have a team of seven different specialists standing around my bed and they're all just shaking their heads and we don't know, Lori, we don't know, we don't have a clue. I have peace and I'm like, it's okay, we'll find it out. I'm praying and we'll get answers. And that peace, that passes understanding is what is guiding me and guarding me and keeping me and keeping my spirits high. I'm not, woe is me and why does this have to happen to me? And I didn't deserve this. This is what God has called me to and I accept it. And um, if I were focused on the food, I would be about consuming the food and I would be living in fear. And today I'm not living in fear because I'm free because of this program, because you guys taught me life skills, because you all gave me tools to use when I'm doubtful, when I'm agitated, when I'm fearful, um, when I'm, you know, in the hospital and not working and fearing financial insecurities. 
um, you guys have given me the tools and, um, you know, what did I want to be free from? I wanted to be free from the weight, but today I am so grateful. Yes. I'm grateful. I've lost the weight. I lost from over a hundred and probably 50 pounds, but today I'm grateful for the peace that I've learned in this program because the peace is keeping me in ICU. It's not the food. I don't have access to unlimited food. It's the peace. The joy in my heart is knowing that I have OA friends that I can pick up the phone and call and reach out to, and they understand. Um, it's the service that I'm able to give. That's what makes me happy. That's what's keeping me going. And um, I'm, I've not been Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde here at the hospital. And I'm sure these people are happy. They think I'm the sweetest patient in the world. And I'm like, oh, if you had gotten hold of me five years ago, you all would be saying, send her to the psych ward move her out of ICU, but um, this program has so grounded me, y'all. I am at peace with whatever happens, whatever comes, whatever goes. If I have to give my life, I pray that people could say she was giving service up to the last minute. She was loving her family up to the last minute. She was kind until the last minute. Whatever must come, must come. And I am at peace with it. And that is the gift of this program, facing life, and I'm not stressful, worried about moving forward with life, facing death. I'm not stressful and I can move forward if that is the path that I'm to go. And that is the gift of this program that no matter what comes, I'm okay to handle it. And I'm so grateful to you all for getting up on your Sunday morning, for getting up every morning. You're, some of you are in Europe. Some of you are in Asia. Some of you are on the West Coast. Some of you are East Coasters. You get up at various hours to come and feed my soul every morning. And I'm just in the corner listening and you have no idea, but I appreciate and value every one of you. You help me so much. And this week you've been my lifeline and my line to sanity and to continue to walk with my higher power and, and trust God. So I just value you guys so much for what you've given me through this program. I appreciate you all more than you will ever know. And I'm grateful to be here with you today. If just for today, that's all we have. And I am going to live my ICU life to the fullest um, today, whatever that may be and whoever I can help. If I can help one person, then my life is not in vain today. And that is my share. Thank you so much. <laughs>